people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd What's up, fat boys? It's the Fat Boy Planet Podcast. Here's your host, Derek McCaw. Thank you. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Wednesday, November 12th, uh, 2014. Uh, at 749 as we're starting here, which means that any news and information that that, that breaks in the uh, nerd world after about 9.15 or 9.30 tonight, we are not responsible for on this podcast. All right. And, of course, uh, we're all podcasting from different places tonight. Again, the magic of technology. Three points of the compass. Ooh. All right. And uh, I think I'm the south. But uh, all man in Los Angeles, fabulous announcer. I'm Nate Costa. And our moral compass, of of which he's keeping track of all three points, and, <laughs> and podcast producer. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. And I almost went to the ending there. Uh, I don't want to play I the I love ending. when we do that. It's a pretty short <laughs> show. Reminding you to start this podcast. Uh, would actually though, like to remind you, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe. Please rate us and tell your friends. So write a review. We love that. That's uh, that's what we get up there. And, uh, of course, you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com as well as if you hear about anything, uh, hear something on this podcast that you would like to purchase and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store of small business, but we're counting Barnes & Noble as a small business these days, uh, you may please feel free to use the helpful Amazon link on the Fanboy Planet website so that we get a small kickback and if you just like what you're hearing and you're about to hear, uh, you can go to the PayPal and gladly we will accept your donation to keep this podcast alive. Or if you want to bribe us to do something else. What? Or if you want to bribe us to do something else. Oh, okay. Which I, I do want to say I've gotten – we really have not gotten fanny mail, but I have t- gotten two emails this week with a podcast episode in the header. Wow. But the but – the, no. The rest of it is all in Chinese. Therefore, I'm pretty sure it's a bot. Uh, but uh, I do uh, just if it is legitimately uh, someone who is a fan, I apologize. I I can't read Chinese, so um, I you can send it to me. You can read Chinese. No, I have Chrome. It'll translate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's what I've been like. What I've been getting is saying we'd like to start Fanboy Planet China, um, and but we're willing not to do it if you pay us a hundred bucks. You know, there's like this blackmail thing. Yeah. So, um, and I don't care if Fanboy Planet, if the China wants Fanboy Planet, go ahead. Um, so, <clears throat> anyway, we got some comics news, we got some movie news, we got some TV news, and if you'd like to write in, not in Chinese or send it to Rick so that he can translate it on Chrome, you can write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. We will repeat that at the end of the podcast. But first, let's talk about some comics news. Last week, you know, we talked about Convergence. And uh, I guess, you know, while, while Nate was walking his dog, 
Rick and I were talking a bit about all the crossovers that, uh, or, or the parallel universe stories that the, I think Rick blamed DC most, uh, or at least implied that it was mostly DC too much going on. But I think that all the companies really are doing that. Um, that, that we, that we are seeing, you know, Marvel is, is kind of heading towards that. And they teased again last week, by the way, Marvel said something about, you know, this is it. It's going to, it's going to start all over again. Um, and, uh, and so DC, we Rick and I were talking about multiversity, which is Grant Morrison running through a, a, a his versions of the multiverse and how, uh, Rick and I were both a little kind of underwhelmed by the last uh, issue. What was that called, Rick? I don't know. It was the one that had the like. Uh, it was like People Us Magazine. Weekly kind yeah, of cover yeah, on that, it with... yeah, where they were all just celebrities and bored because the Superman robots were were keeping the world safe. Um, and, and then we've got Convergence coming. And Rick, your response when you when we were talking about Convergence was well, when I looked at it and I said, okay, so this is a bunch of stories that are taking place in the pre-flashback universe, Flashpoint, Flashpoint, uh, that that I was going to be able to just skip this because it's not going to matter in the long run and save a whole lot of money because this would be twenty twenty paired issues, so forty forty issues of comics uh, that I could just not buy. Well, and I'm going to argue this. This is uh, 40 issues of comics that I actually. Well, I'll go 38 uh, that I really uh, that I'm actually looking forward to because they're about plots that mattered to me. <laughs> so, um, like, cause one thing that snuck in, and I and I haven't read it yet, but I picked it up a couple of weeks ago, was that the Justice League uh, Canada or Justice League United yeah, annual. Yeah crossed over with the Legion of Superheroes and it was the pre flashpoint version of Legion of Superheroes. So they are bringing that version back. I, and people are claiming in the press that uh, justice league 3000 is actually more interesting than we gave it credit for, but I gave up on it after two issues. Oh yeah. Which was probably one issue more than I should have I, I did uh, it given one. it, but I might, but because booster gold and blue beetle are in it, uh, the the Wahaha uh, version of Booster Gold and Blue Beetle are in it. I might take a look again, but the first ten books that they're really re- releasing here are the actually this even goes back to I think pre Final Crisis um, plot lines that to me are interesting, and it's both pre Flashpoint, but there's crossovers with other realities. The Flashpoint versions of characters are invading. Uh, the pre-Final Crisis version. So you're going to get a cop, an issue of Superman, uh, or two issues of Superman, where basically uh, he's married to Lois Lane the way he should be, uh, and she is pregnant, and they are as she should be, as she should be. No, <laughs> oh, uh, but they, uh, oh, good lord, keep those cards and letters coming, kids. Uh, that, uh, they're married to Lois, and as they're preparing for the preparing for the baby. Uh, there's some, like some kind of dome, I guess, is there's an overall con- conceit that that a dome does come down over cities uh, because I think Convergence is being run by Brainiac. Is He's taking these alternate universe uh, – he's stealing cities from different realities. So um, Superman has to defend Metropolis, but it, it's kind of a continuation of where that book was headed before they decided to play – I'm not gonna call it when they try to play new fifty two pickup. Let's throw all the cards oh, in nice. the air like and, and see where it where it lands. And so, you know, a lot of us 
uh, older fans were like, well, you know, bring it to a really satisfying conclusion or, or let it go. You know, so then there's that. Then there's the Adam, Ray Palmer hunting, uh, facing down Deathstroke for the alleged murder of Ryan Choi, who was uh, the second Adam, who actually wasn't a bad character. Um, and, and both of them were, you know, like I have not been happy in the New 52 that Ray Palmer has really not become the Adam. They used uh, Atomica. They used the Earth, uh, Earth the food. crime, the crime syndicate's version. Um, but Ray Palmer was just working for Shade, and you know they did just weird things and kind of shuffled them off to the side. Whereas this is really again finishing up uh, it, or or continuing a storyline that just left dangling by DC's disinterest in you know kind of creating an interesting new version of the of the Atom and then killing him and then not doing anything with it. Ray Palmer himself is, was a character that just sort of left dangling. So they're going to finish that up. Batgirl, uh, Stephanie Brown, which is where it was headed before Flashpoint, and before uh, and Stephanie Brown is going to step back into being Batgirl after uh, in the continuity of this a year away with with Red Robin. So you have a and little it, trouble with that one because they just rebooted Batgirl, and I think they rebooted it appropriate for the audience. I, I understand that, but it, but I also think they they rebooted Batgirl, but uh, one there's a lot of Stephanie Brown. This is this is fan service, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny it, it, it that it that it that it isn't. You know, uh, it, it's uh, there were a lot of Stephanie Brown fans, mm-hmm. and she would become Batgirl just before the end of that continuity. And um, even though they rebooted Batgirl recently, I mean that's been a thing. Like if she's been around for five years and she was Oracle. And now, and they've said this in this reboot, uh, and they don't, they're not really calling it a reboot, right? In this relaunch of the character, um, she's still, t- she's 20, um, and she's hip and all this, you know. So I, I think there's room for both, and I don't have a problem, problem with it. it. It's, again, following through on plots that were sort of promised. Because if you remember, Flashpoint took everybody by surprise. And the fact of the new 52, it wasn't even a satisfactory Everybody bring it to a close. Right. No, we're just going to have Flashpoint happen, and suddenly all continuity is going to start over. Didn't Superman but, have kind of a closer? I don't really recall that. I mean, Batman did, which was weird because Batman was the one where the continuity just kind of picked up from yeah. where it was. <laughs> that <laughs> makes know? sense. So it was handled sure. poorly. Uh, you know. So there we go. We got that. Uh, and she's uh, Stephanie Brown and, and Red Robin are going to be attacked by the Flashpoint version of Catman. It's a Nightwing Oracle book. Written by Gail Simone, this is where it goes pre-Final Crisis, where before the Final Crisis, when they, when basically Dan DiDio denies this, but we know it was actually true, he was going to have Nightwing get killed. Um, you know, Gail Simone had uh, Dick Grayson propose to Barbara Gordon, and they were going to get married, and then suddenly at the end of Final Crisis, there was a fight. They had, you know, that it was never adequately explained in Nightwing's book. Uh, because he really wasn't supposed to survive Final Crisis at all. Um, so then Gail Simone was told that they, she couldn't have them get married. So in this, they are about to get married. Uh, and and then, of course, trouble rears its ugly head. Sorry, we get, sorry to inject here, but we never talk about these books. Did Grayson – is Grayson still going? Grayson's still going. Okay. I had, I read the first issue, and I, it was okay. I thought it was okay, but um, – yeah. I haven't seen it on the shelves, but that could just be me. No, it's it, it's it's still there. Okay, uh, they don't cancel them that fast. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes we'll they should. <laughs> they should, but we'll see. 
Um, the Flash is going to bring back Wally and his kids. Uh, characters that his superpowered kids, his superpowered kids, Jay and I can't remember what the girl's name was. And uh, also Iris. You're right, Jay and Iris. And uh, so uh, again, a pre-final crisis thing because once Barry came back and caused Flashpoint, you know, that's all gone. Uh, and they're going to be attacked by the Flashpoint Wonder Woman, who is a badass. Um, and they're looking for Linda, his wife. And so it's all, you know, very much kind of these characters cease to not just, you know, got rewritten for the new 52. They cease to exist. And, you know, a lot of fans felt very betrayed by that. So um, it's, again, continuing an old, old plot line. Titans. Arsenal is once again one armed. And the extremists old villains from another universe that I like that are kind of like the, uh, the evil Avengers um, or no, they're, they're kind of like the evil sinister six. Cause one is uh, like sinister Doc Ock. Six is evil. Right. Uh, but I mean, they're a, the, um, how do I say this? What, because the extremists were like when, when in the Avengers you had the squadron sinister and the squadron Supreme. And then in justice league you had, I don't know what they were called. The version of the Avengers that had one Gina and uh, the, uh, Jay, Blue Jay, and I can't remember what the girl was, but it was like an equivalent of of the Scarlet Witch, and there was a Speedster as well. Um, so the extremists were like, there's one that's kind of like Doctor Octopus, and there's one that's like Doctor Doom, and so forth. So they're coming uh, to attack the uh, Roy Harper, who has gone through all the things that happened before uh, Flashpoint again, and he's got the chance to revive, uh, bring his daughter back to life. Now I admit. That was a plot line I didn't like in Cry for Justice that his daughter was killed, but at least they're trying to deal with the consequences that are just saying, oh, no, it just didn't happen. Uh, and now uh, Roy Harper just sleeps with everything that moves, um, which I believe is still the Red Hood and the Outlaws uh, concept. So, um, Have you been reading it? No, not at all. I, read, uh, I, just want, I like that book. Uh, they had their chance. They blew it, and I, I bought it, and then I stopped. Uh, Justice League, well, an interesting version of Justice League, Zatanna, Supergirl, and Jade go to Jesse Quick's baby shower, which means I would suspect that Rick Tyler, uh, our man, will be there as well. And they are attacked by Flashpoint Aquaman. And if you've ever played Injustice Gods Among Us, Flashpoint Aquaman is a total badass. So, uh, again, interesting. You know, you're seeing fights, granted, but they're fights that are fun. And then there's uh, the question. Uh, Renee Renee Montoya as the question, not my favorite version of the character, but legitimately what they had done before Flashpoint. And she's going to come to the aid of, I don't know which one, Two-Face or another universe's version of Harvey Dent, who has not become Two-Face, fighting each other. So I I, I don't know how that's going to work. We get Batman and Robin before, uh, you know, Bruce and Damien versus the extremists. And then I like this, Harley Quinn will get her own, uh, and she's happy in the dome. Um, but she's going to be face down against Captain Carrot. So anything that uh, you know brings in Captain Carrot in a silly way, as long as it's not that uh, intergalactic Captain K rot that they did, uh, I'm I'm happy for. So you know, I just feel like these are conclusions to books uh, giving me a, a chance to go. All right, thank you. This is what my version of these characters have been doing, and I can stop buying DC Comics entirely. After this is over. Thank you. So do you think it's a conclusion? They're drawing conclusions from the previous plot lines? Uh, no, I think what they're doing, because they, they know exactly what kind of heroin they're selling, 
what they're going to say is maybe in another year we'll do this again and I'll be lured into buying more DC books, you know. Wow. So, so you can you can eke out another two weeks of life of the previous pre-Flashpoint universe. It's the least they can do. Yeah, I'm so. okay with it. Yeah. The only, so, one I'm, the only one I'm tempted by is Batman and Robin because I will buy anything with Damien in it. Yeah. So uh, I think that will be good. I, you know, yeah, I, I was in, I, I was sucked up into the uh, soap opera of the Nightwing Oracle. Thanks. Looking forward to that. And I really did like, and I just think they didn't really get a chance to do much with it was the idea of Wally having super speed kids yeah, and how to, how to deal with that. And then, you know, Wally has been treated poorly. Um, yeah. And I might, you know, I'll probably pick up the Adam just because it's an interesting idea, you know, trying to save his, uh, Protégé. So how many years have we been in the 52? The new, the new 52, 52 is three years in. Three years. So when do we drop the new? Um, <laughs> when it's no longer effective as a marketing tool, I guess. Hmm. The 52. Yeah, the, the DC 52. Or... The, the tired 52. <laughs> the same old uh, 52. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, we can move over to the Marvel side, which is that uh, I just got a thing saying that uh, – it's going to be a Hulk versus Thanos event. And I can't help but feel that it's just like, you know, again, so there's something out there that is like the two characters that they want in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to really resonate but don't want to give them their own movies yet. Uh, so have them fight. Nate, you're the Hulk expert. How many times has he gone toe-to-toe with Thanos? Oh, God. I don't know. Not a ton. No, this is an interesting time. There I don't was know that he's uh, really gone toe to toe, except for during Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. When he, when the Hulk was the merged huge Hulk during the Peter David Dale Keown time. Okay. Professor, whatever professor, he was, yeah, Professor Hulk. Yeah. yeah, they retconned as the Professor is just another personality. Yeah, yeah. they uh, Thanos kicked his ass because he had the Infinity Gauntlet. Of course. And I, they, I seem to remember another time, but I don't know. But I don't yeah, think Hulk was in Infinity War. Was it Infinity War? I yeah, don't, I, I don't think Hulk was in Infinity War. I think it was more of the of the Starlin based characters. I have to go back and read that again. Then maybe it was the Infinity Gauntlet miniseries. I don't know. One yeah. of them. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I didn't really read those, so. Um... It was, a, it was a dark time for me. There's been a Thanos <laughs> miniseries that's had a very intriguing title. I'm banking them to read them all. The other, the, the, a god up there is listening or something like that. It's like, okay, Thanos is the god up there who is actually listening. Oh. Ooh. All right. So, yeah, that's all we have to say about it is, like, uh, good. And maybe they'll use it as a basis for uh, a Mark Ruffalo James Brolin. Oh, why do I say that? Josh Brolin, not James Brolin. Although James Brolin as Thanos would be interesting. Actually, cast James Brolin as mentor. Hmm. Interesting. That would work. Wouldn't it be interesting to have father and son actually play father and son? Yeah. 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 And he's got that a good voice. He could be, you know. And let's cast one of those older characters. Um is Thanos a playable character in the Capcom, Capcom games? Um, he was in one of them. He's not in the one I have. I have Mar- the 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 most recent one. Um, he's not there, but that's because I think they were 
focusing a lot on Deadpool. Mm. Um, you know, that was what, what they were really trying to push instead. So, yeah, I do not know. But I know he's been in games because I recall seeing him in 8-bit form or 16-bit form. Mm. Um, so Thanos is a character in Marvel vs. Capcom. It's the final boss, and uh, he's in Marvel vs. Capcom 2 as a regular playable character. Okay, okay. so he's playable in, in 2. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, we move to uh, just to, to revisit one before we go to what's in the bag, which I cannot play because I have not purchased any books in two weeks. Uh, but one that I will definitely be purchasing, and maybe this is a launch in in case it was one of Nate's books, is that uh, officially the sequel to Django Unchained hits from Dynamite, which is, we talked about it before, Django and Zorro which is Quentin Tarantino and Matt Wagner co-writing the, uh, this miniseries um, that, that is a sequel to one, a great graphic novel from Vertigo. If you haven't picked that up, um, it really is very good and different enough from the movie to make you feel like if you saw the movie, you still don't know everything. So uh, it's, it's really cool and a good hardback collection. Um, Nate, did you read it already? Do you have a chance? Probably. No. No, I did have a chance to read Walking Dead, but that's all. <laughs> <laughs> you made the chance. Okay, Django Unchained right. Zorro, and Zorro has a uh, nice Greg Pak cover. We have a no, Jay Lee cover. Jay Lee. Oh, Jay Lee. Pardon, pardon me. Yeah. Jay Lee. Pack is- Greg Pak. Nah. Oh, really? I didn't buy uh, the book. Yeah. <laughs> so you're Jay Lee. So you're filling the gap left by Lon Lopez by talking about. No, I like. Jay, books, I, so like I don't Jay, know what I'm talking about. I like Jay Lee. He's the one who did all the uh, Dark Tower book covers. Yes, he's great. And he did uh, the first few issues of Batman Superman or Superman Batman or whatever they were calling it, and a lot of the covers since then too. Yeah, but there's your confusion. So I um, actually uh, attended the last few minutes of. The Django Zorro panel, it actually wasn't just a Django Zorro panel. I don't remember what the panel was for, but they were talking about Django Zorro with uh, Quentin Tarantino and Reginald Hudlin. Oh, yes. And that's what got me interested. All right, cool. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it myself. So, excellent. Um, and then we can play... What's in the bag? What's in the bag? You guys get to start. I can't. I got nothing. You go ahead, Nate. Start it. The first item in my bag is The Walking Dead, number 134. What a surprise. I know. Yeah. Was it satisfying? Oh, yes. It had a, was. a new character with a sword. When I'm, I'm, I'm only reading the trade, so I'm like, and I'm a tra- at least a trade behind. Are you looking at the picture of the new character with the sword? It's got a top knight, not hairstyle yes, too. That is a previous character with a new uh, hairstyle after a few months of growth. Okay. It's it's Jesus, same guy. Jesus. No, it's Jesus. Okay. Her Robert Kirkman. It's okay. Jesus. <laughs> okay. All right. He's well, given, you would know. It's not his real name. His real name, I don't remember, but 
everybody called him Jesus because he looked like Jesus. Fair enough. All right. My first uh, issue is Batman. Um, actually, it's Batman 35 and 36 because I missed 35. But I couldn't miss 36 because this is Endgame Part 2, The Return of the Joker. And uh, you, yes. you've got the uh, – it's uh, like a – black and white uh, version of uh, Superman Poor on the cover Superman. with red highlights and bloodied fists and the Joker smile on his face because the Joker has co-opted the Justice League and this looks cool. I've been, I, I was just wondering when they were going to bring back the Joker and here he is. So, Excellent. so Batman, thir- oh. and Bat- starting in Batman 35, part two is in 36. I don't know how long this is running. I can tell you, actually, because there just happens to be an article right here. Really? Scott Snyder discusses his final Joker story and what's next for Batman. Okay. Uh, Doesn't say how many parts it is, so never mind. I can't tell you. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's your turn, Nate. Well, since you stole my second book. I did? I'm sorry. Just kidding. I'm going to go with Big Trouble in Little China, number six. Oh, excellent. Um, I was underwhelmed by the first issue, but then changed my mind after rereading it. And it's been, I think, pretty good. So I've been reading it, too. I, I, I wasn't as harsh on it for the first issue. I thought... It hits it hits a sillier note than the movies do. Yeah, that was why. It's almost like a a mad or a cracked version of it that took itself seriously. Right. But you know, if you ever read any of the, I think they they did attempt to write a, a sequel movie script, uh, and that and um, what was leaked out there, I think honestly it was it. John Carpenter actually, you know. Seems to have been a more um, sobering influence on it because the movie scripts that I've read that were allegedly official uh, or at least real attempts were just that same way, like way over the top. So, yeah, this is more like poop and pee humor that oh well wasn't part of the movie originally. Yeah, I love you know, it. But you know, Jack Burton would appreciate that. Good old Jack Burton loves poop and pee. Well, and Nate Koss is about to become a father of a newborn, so he's going <laughs> to so learn to love. He's going to learn to love that smell. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. So yes, uh, what's next in your bag, Rick? I have issue number one of the Superior Iron Man. Actually, there's no article; it just says Superior Iron Man, and this is falling out of Axis, which I don't know. Are either you reading that? No. So basically, the short of Axis is, uh, we all know the Red Skull in Uncanny, Uncanny Avengers had uh, basically eaten uh, Xavier's brain and gotten his psionic power. His uh, surgically implanted. Right? Yeah, I guess he so. Didn't yeah. Eat it. <laughs> that would just be. He munched down on Xavier's the wrong brain. Book. And yeah. and uh, so he ended up with his powers, including apparently. The ability to uh, overthrottle himself into um, into what is it over? What was the uh, the character when uh, Xavier and oh, Magneto um, joined together? Oh God! Anyways, yeah, uh, onslaught, onslaught, onslaught. So it's a Red Skull onslaught, 
And the first couple of issues of, of uh, Onslaught, uh, they fight. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but uh, something happens. And a lot of the villains and um, heroes that were exposed to that something that happens uh, kind of flip their bits. And so now we have it, the superior Iron Man coming out of that issue number one. And from what I can tell, the original Iron Man series has has been canceled. This is now the right. plot line for Tony Stark. Sound familiar? So hopefully it's going to be as awesome as the uh, as the last one that sounded familiar. Yeah, all right. Yeah. They, they moved to San Francisco though, right? That's the, yeah. He's in San Francisco. Opportunity to see Daredevil and the Golden Gate Bridge and eat at good restaurants. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure he had good restaurants in New York. Not as good as San Francisco. Uh, okay, probably true too. Nate, what's next in your bag? Um. You know, I'm going to go with, I already picked a Kirkman book. How about Miles Morales, The Ultimate Spider-Man, number seven? There you go. Okay, good. Who's on the cover there? Who is on the cover? Yeah. I think that's Mary Jane. I think so, too. Playing with a spider. Oh, dear. Hmm. Portent? Uh, I like this. Uh, I like this whole storyline. It's keeping me on my toes. All right. Interesting. I hope this isn't a crossover actually with Spider Verse because I'm liking what's happening in Ultimate Spider-Man. Ah, yes. I'm a little behind on Spider Verse, but did you read the 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 Halloween Spider Verse issue? I yes. was the spider. Yes, it was, it was creepy. Creepy and wrong. as creepy as creepy could be. Oh, got it. What book was it? Edge of Spider-Verse? It, it, it was an Edge of Spider-Verse. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't read it. I'm sticking to Amazing. Okay, that's right. But it was the, it was the one Spider-Verse book where it was like, good, Moreland, eat that, eat that. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't want that character to come back in any way, shape, or right, form. Right, right, right. It was just so disturbing. <laughs> so awesome. my last book is actually two books because there are two Cheater. new there are two number ones this it's their two number ones this week. You'll understand why. And the first one is all new Captain America, number one. Mm-hmm. And the what's noteworthy about this, I haven't read the book, but I'm just gonna do this on the basis of the cover. And if you were to glance at this quickly, you would have you would really not pick up on the fact that Captain America is now black. It's a it's a shot from like three quarters down looking up at him. So you're mostly seeing chin and the the shield and even the wings aren't really all that obvious. And the sun's behind him and Captain America is red, white, and blue. And um I don't think it's quite a cheat, but I wish they had made it much more obvious that this is Sam Wilson. Well, I think all the press yeah, but you're still looking at people who are picking up. I know you're right. Picking up books you, on the shelf no, without having no, read any press releases. You are releases. absolutely right about that. So, but then if you look at the other number one, which is Captain America and the Mighty Avengers, um, much more obvious that this is a black man in the Captain America uniform, and it's uh, the Falcon, uh, the wing span around a uh, around a field of stars. It's quite a cool book, quite a cool cover. Uh, for one of the, I don't know, we've we've actually talked about the Mighty Avengers, but 
This is more. This is more the. This has been more the grassroots Avengers led by Luke Cage. Yeah. Um. But apparently, in and this is an Axis title as well. And apparently, I haven't gotten to this yet in Axis, but apparently, Luke is also affected affected by this effect. He's not on the cover. I think. Oh, maybe he is. But I'm afraid that Luke might be affected by this in the same way that Tony was. He is on the cover. He's the far right. Far right guy. one. Yeah, I just noticed that. Is that the blue mar or what's his name? The blue marble. Yeah. Yeah. On the left. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, he's been in it for a while. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's a cool character too. So, uh, my endorsement yeah. for Mighty Avengers. I'm looking forward to reading this book, and I appreciate that there are two. Uh, two actually, the Captain America number one cover is really cool, but uh, I wish it was much more obvious. It was Sam Wilson. Anyway, there you have it. I do understand what you're saying. That's good. That's good. Um, so let us, uh, unless is there another one from you, Nate? No, no, no. Okay. All right. So, uh, let's, uh, let's move to movies, shall we? And I like the headline of the first movie item. (laughs) I thought you might. Did you read this interview with Toby Kebbell? Uh, no, I decided to just read a short blurb and laugh because I really hope nobody sees this movie. (laughs) <laughs> My only uh, – so for those who cannot see the headline, uh, Toby Kebbell is the guy playing playing the character we thought was Dr. Doom uh, in the Fantastic Four movie, which is not fantastic. And it, at least this much we can say <laughs> – And it's hardly four. Well, well, I mean as far as I know, uh, at least so far we know there are four of them. So at least that they did understand that they that uh, if you're going to call it the Fantastic Four, there should probably be four characters uh for us to root for and uh so that seems to be consistent at least unless herbie shows up and then you know all bets are off except actually herbie showing up in this movie would be an improvement uh so toby kebbell who's playing dr doom gave his interview where he said that he's not uh he's not dr doom at all uh his character's name is uh let me look this back up because it's hard to pronounce um his character domashev Victor Domashev, who is a blogger uh, and uh, who is nicknamed online Doom. Does he practice sorcery? He practices douchebaggery. Yeah. I was his mother, did his mother sell her soul to Satan? Oh, no, no, no. I think, I think that, uh, that Nate has just coined it. He's Dr. Douche, not Dr. <laughs> Dave Doom. <laughs> so, <laughs> Does that uh, mean we're going to get douche bots? Oh. oh, I hope so. <laughs> At least let's just turn it into a wild comedy. It's the only hope I have. You know, what I'm really – the only thing left for me to hope is that what Fox has done is hired like when the rumor was that Superman versus Batman had a fake script by Kevin Smith that like the greatest perform- – this is all actually going to be a documentary about fans <laughs> responding to these leaked things because we've not really seen anything – I just hope it's like one fantastic put on for the whole thing. Like maybe this movie is not at all what they've accidentally been leaking. And it's really very respectful uh, of the source material. I doubt it, but it would just, I would, that I would respect. They trolled us so bad, but I just don't think it's true. You're a dreamer. I am a dreamer. You know, uh, and I just added in something because, uh, Reminded me with this as with his Ultimate Spider-Man uh, pick. Uh, uh, 
and again, not sure how, not knowing how true this is because too many Christmas. There was another cast. Oh, there's a couple of cast names we'll talk about too, where uh, you know somebody runs with. I heard a rumor that, and then everybody runs it as if it's truth. And the one that kind of went around the internet yesterday was that Sony, in this desperate, oh god, desperate I saw this bid, one too, desperate bid to maintain control of the Spider-Man franchise and while at the same time giving it a more female appeal is that they're going to uh, they're trying to develop a script for young Aunt May as a spy to duplicate what um, Agent Carter is alleged going to do for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They are, they are just entirely bankrupt for ideas if that's at all true. I, I, it, it's totally wrong. And because the other thing is it also kind of destroys, even if it is true and I hope it's not, but if it is true and they're going to try to set it in the same continuity as their, uh, Andrew Garfield films, then it's, uh, you know, Sally Field has been playing a much bigger secret than we thought. Um, it kind of invalidates everything about her character as we know her as Aunt May. I would love it if they were just so out of touch with reality that throughout the whole movie they referred to her as Aunt May. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Codename Aunt, Aunt May. Oh, Aunt May. Yeah. <laughs> so little do you know 17 the years old and they're calling her Aunt, Aunt May. Little Peter Parker. Uh, and then uh, there were Suicide Squad uh, casting uh, rumors uh, which were run as fact uh, all weekend long. Uh, uh, now, is this going to be a cartoon or a movie? This is a movie. We do know that's true. Written and directed by the guy who just did Fury with Brad Pitt, the World War II movie. Um, okay. All so I know. All right, go ahead. It was on the it was on the slate of films listed. Uh, slate of films that Warner Brothers announced at that uh, investors meeting a few weeks ago, and David Ayers is the writer director. And um, so you left to remind me, the woman from uh, Wolf of Wall Street, blonde girl that everybody is just gaga over, and I haven't seen her, seen Wolf of Wall Street, so I don't have an opinion. No, uh, allegedly, she has been cast as, allegedly, see, this thing is Warner Brothers has not announced this. This is just Margot really, Robbie. That's it. Margot Robbie, who I do know has also been cast as Jane in the Warner Brothers Tarzan adaptation, which suddenly got really quiet. Um, which ticks me off. I don't want her. I, I don't want it to cost the Tarzan adaptation steam. Uh, but uh, anyway, Margot Robbie has been allegedly cast as Harley Quinn, and I'm going to give this an interest. I'm going to say if this is true, an interesting choice, even though it's not really the Suicide Squad. Although it could be because it's all trying to build this connected universe. Is that Jared Leto has, is supposedly in the running to play the Joker? Hmm. And, and he could be an interesting choice, especially if they choose to keep the Joker as sort of just a character that's running through a couple of movies. Because they've also said that they're talking to Jesse Eisenberg about being Lex Luthor in the Suicide Squad. So I kind of see it as more like these are going to be the big guns that don't really participate big time, but get a chance to appear here rather than shoehorn it into Superman be Batman. You know, using Suicide Squad as a chance to world build a little of their villains um, could be interesting. Could be an interesting choice. Jared so, Leto is a misstep. You think so? Yes. Yeah, but every everybody they said that need about... to cast Gilbert Gottfried. Gottfried. Oh, you! It's not going to happen. 
It needs to happen. It would make the Joker annoying in all the wrong ways. No. No. No, it would but I it would don't make disagree the Joker with you. perfect. I don't have to disagree with you, but he wouldn't he would not he would have to play something other than his normal character. He would have no, to No, he, he wouldn't. He would ha- No, seriously. <laughs> I I think he could I think he could be an interesting choice if he could find something different. In the same way that I mean any number of surprising jokers have been that But died. you know, I I want to say that as much as I find Gilbert Gottfried funny, especially, you know, in Aladdin as Iago. Um <laughs> if you if you recall his days and I do, oddly enough, recall his days when he made his debut on Saturday Night Live. Um, you know, he's played different. And the truth of the matter, and since since he discovered that persona that was, what, Beverly Hills Cop 2 that really made it, he's shown no interest in changing. Mm-hmm. And why should and, he? He's and made he plenty of money doing that, you know. So, um, you know, when he when he decides to pull a Jerry Lewis and make his day the clown cried, then I'll give him credit. <laughs> Uh, but I, it's not going to happen, and I and so I don't think you, either one of you are going to be satisfied because he's not going to be the Joker. The uh, Joker will be the guy that you know uh, constantly does impressions at inappropriate times of very old movie stars that are dead for years and years. So Rich Little is going to play the Joker. No, Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. <sighs> I, I need you to put aside your fetish for all things Howard Stern and uh, and move forward, man. It's Stop. correct casting. I'll be right back. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to drive him away. <laughs> and we're not we're not even at the Doctor Who portion. You just of got him really excited for a second. I, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, so you know, a big surprise that happened, and it's like I'm talking about. The uh, fandom just wanting, 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 wanting to believe that um, di- that things happen the way they want it to is that uh, Disney registered a domain name for Strange Magic, which then all the fans at uh, strangemagic.com and all the fans were uh, of Frozen were going, this is it. This is the sequel to Frozen. Not understanding at all, of course, how you know animated films take time to develop, and they're not going to announce Frozen until they know that they've got a worthy Frozen two. Especially while Once Upon a Time is telling the story of sure. a Frozen sequel right now, well, we are getting a Frozen short subject. It turns out that Strange Magic is uh, actually a, a CG animated film from Lucasfilm, and it says, and they. So I got a press release yesterday. We released January twenty third. Uh, that, uh, was, uh, is loosely based on the events of a Midsummer Night's Dream using 40 years of pop music. Wow. That could be awful. Yeah. I think it's kind of like the Nomeo and Juliet theory. Yeah. Um, and actually I do have a really good friend who was working on, I can't remember what title it was under when he started on it, but several years ago up at Lucasfilm when they started. And then we thought it died, like the project all collapsed. But he did confirm for me uh, this this week. He confirmed yesterday that he did a quick search and went, yep, that's the film I worked on. Uh, <laughs> there it is. Uh, and they let everybody go like four years ago. And, um, and then he thought that was over. And 
they, they clearly revived the project and it kind of just snuck under the radar. So, so you I'm, think they're using strange magic from ELO? Probably. Probably. Thank you for giving me the uh, origin of the title. Um, and I think that, you know, if you saw Nomeo and Juliet, which was a halfway decent, cute film with Elton John songs, just sort of shoehorned in, I think it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Only with Oberon and, you know, and Titania. So, um, I don't know if I have high hopes for it just because I still, I am still very cynical about things being released in January, um, being like something that studios really have faith in, but I could be wrong. And I think that in today's culture, it is quite possible that people just go to movies whenever, um, if they're good. So we it, shall, we shall see. It's kind of, that. it's kind of weird because ELO is one of those bands where when I listen to their songs, I often think how, how I'd animate that song. Especially like Mr. Blue Sky. Um, mm-hmm. And this is one, actually, Strange Magic is also one that I've thought about that too. So I think. Well, they, I yeah, think they, were, they were animated, weren't they? Uh, well, didn't, isn't it their song that gets animated in um, Xanadu? Is it? Either when they turn into fish and birds, I, uh, you know, the Don Bluth studio did that. You know, I watched uh, Xanadu do with a bit of. I, I watched it originally when it came out in a kind of a smoky haze. And then, um, more recently oh. I convinced Debbie to watch it one evening and we were both just laughing all the way through it. And that's okay. Yeah. Cause you should be, but it's, it's adorable. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, uh, they released extended footage tonight, uh, today on age of Ultron and you've seen it and I haven't, but you said there's not really, it's extended footage. It's nothing, nothing really all that new. There's a bit more, uh, Three more seconds of Ultron flexing his hand. When Ultron comes in and he's saying, uh, you know, when he's doing his like leg drag- dragging monologue, um, there's yeah. an additional bit where more Ultrons burst in through the wall behind him, things like oh. that. And then he uh, sings more from I Got No Strings to hold me down. There's there's uh, about the same amount of, of uh, I Got No Strings as it was in the original. Uh, there were there were actually more scenes with uh, Scarlet Witch, um, okay. that I remember seeing that I remember seeing before. Was there anything of the Vision? I didn't see anything of the Vision. No. Yeah, so that's what people were saying. Is sort of like actually my favorite my favorite rumor this week was that you know that picture of Wonder Woman they released at, at Comic Con of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, you know, right? Uh, it bleeding cool ran a headline that said. Have we seen the first image of the invisible plane? <laughs> <laughs> and someone's claiming, like, if you look at the cloud formation behind, it's like, oh my god, it's the outline of the plane. Like, yeah, I wish I oh, had that much time on my hands. Oh, just so silly, but it, it it made me laugh. It's like it's just as a headline is hilarious. Have we seen the invisible plane? Well, it's the same thing as have we seen Aquaman? You know, right, right. You know, it reminds me of. Uh, uh, and I'm blanking on the comedian's name. It's Jim Carrey's favorite comedian, uh, Harlan. Harlan Williams. Harlan Williams. It's just like when you know when a restaurant only has the drive-through window open and they won't let you walk up. Though right. he, he wants to rent a Wonder Woman costume and walk up and say, "I'm in my invisible plane now. Give me my," you know, that that's the the vision I got. Yep. Um, let's talk television because it was a good week. Uh, you can talk about Walking Dead if you'd like, Nate. 
Oh, Walking Dead has been great this season. They're doing uh Well, let's go let's go back to you, Derek. You said you saw something Walking Dead. Did you actually watch an episode? No, I saw some, I saw a couple minutes of it with the uh guy with the mullet uh that mm-hmm. was claiming that he uh had the, a scientist that he had the cure right. uh and if you get to DC. I loved when he was talking about that Nate, did you catch when he said something about how it red ringed? I think I may. I don't know. He Not said, off the top of my head. He said something where he said like when it all red ringed, and ra- that red ringed <laughs> is is a refer- reference to Xbox 360s right. dying with the red ring of death, which further entrenches me in thinking he's some kind of video game player who's convinced the dumber than he is military guy into believing he's got a solution. Even his solution, his, when they pinned him down on on what the uh, zombie um what was going to fix the zombie apocalypse it was all hand waving and we we had this thing where we could we could destroy anything so we just have to retune it for the zombies and then we'll do it it's like <laughs> there is going to be hell to pay if, when if we just get enough mana no yeah. i mean my, my so you haven't watched this week yet rick i haven't watched this week no okay sorry hell is being paid i saw that so uh, yes, there is hell to pay. So we'll leave it at that then. I don't want to spoil it for Rick. Um, yeah, but this, so yeah, this, uh, season they've gone from group to group and had an episode and it seems like it's all around the same time. Like, so they started off with Rick and everybody showed what they're doing and then there were people that weren't there. So they went and showed what they were doing and it's around the same time. And then they went and showed what other people were doing all around the same time, I think I which just, I like. I think in one episode... <laughs> behind which i saw the one in the hospital okay yeah so then this week is not a continuation of what happened in the hospital it's a not a flashback or flash forward it's the same time as what's going on it's the group that drove off exactly right without spoilers right (laughs) all right cool um you, now you guys didn't watch Shield last night. Uh, oh, I Rick, did. Rick I did, did not. not. I did. I do just want to say one thing that, and I checked on the AV Club, and, and, and they were the ones that pointed it out. Um, I got up early this morning and read, and, and read that uh, there is a brief reference, aside from, yeah, I don't want to talk about like the big, re- uh, the big revelation, the though, big reveal. Though glad it finally did, but we'll, we can talk about it next week after Rick's watched it. But they did make a um, Sky made a reference to Micro. The Punisher's sidekick. Hmm. Oh, really? Interesting. I didn't catch that. Yeah. So it was at the beginning of the episode when she said, "I've got this guy who's a crime. One of my guys is really into into crime, into um, you know tracking crimes and stuff." And I realized, well, duh, because once you realize it's Micro, she says it's my guy. Mike. He's called Micro. Does Marvel so, own the Punisher? Marvel got the rights to the Punisher back, and then it had been rumored a while ago that in Captain America: The Winter Soldier. There's two instances of a van uh, stopping Hydra, like oh, yeah, running yeah. into things, and they're both. It's the same van both times, and so the directors of of the Winter Soldier kind of said, uh, maybe that was our introduction of the Punisher coming back in because I, you know, no one's going to accept a fourth Punisher film. It's certainly less subtle than a whale. I am, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say, but the Punisher running through a bunch of different series um, would work to me, would be really interesting. I'd like to see him on S.H.I.E.L.D. 
Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, but Shield, but also like to see him on Daredevil. I'd like to see him on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, put him on the TV level and and let it happen. I'd lo- I'd love to see that. So. And uh, then after they get their uh, TV popularity, you just go ahead and make them forget the previous movies. Sh- yeah, exactly. Make them forget the previous movies by adapting the first arc of Punisher Max or yeah. even more than that, and that would be the greatest Punisher movie ever made. All right. Nate's ready to pitch this one, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> With thanks, yeah. but no thanks productions. Uh, That's right. Yes. And in the middle of S.H.I.E.L.D. last night, they, they you know, did a sometimes – I think it was already online and I didn't watch it. The little commercial for Agent Carter sometimes the best job for a the, – the best man for a job is a woman. And it was the special eight-episode event starting in January of Agent Carter. And January 6th. January 6th. I'm so looking forward to that, even more so than S.H.I.E.L.D. But S.H.I.E.L.D. was very good last night, Rick, and you got to catch up because – once we talk, once next week we can talk about the revelation. The revelation was quite like, oh my gosh! I mean, I'm not sure if it's what if it's what everybody wants to believe it is, because I just don't know that they do it that way. But but it'll be interesting. So, uh, and uh, for us, for Rick and myself, you know, Doctor Who did come. The season came to a close before the Christmas special this last weekend. And uh, your thoughts. Oh, my thoughts were it was uh, it was great. Um, I was very upset with a with a a death or two in it, um, but I think that it, it established a lot of really good things, which was um, finally created, uh, you know, explained who the the persona of of this doctor. Uh, he reached a, a decent conclusion that I was happy with. We had the madman with a box that was Matt Smith. And I think really the idiot with the TARDIS uh, <laughs> sometimes does good, who just tries to do the best he can. I'm like, that's very good. Yep. Um, but uh, I like that once you have the ma- uh, Missy, that you know he, that uh, Stephen Moffat has proven that uh, Time Lords can can change gender. He's now shown it. Yep. Um, and he needed to do that. And um, you know, for those care- people like myself who have not really read a bunch of the other books, uh, you know, or listen to the big finish audio dramas to really have that on screen. And I liked, I, I don't know who that actress is. Like I'd never seen her or anything else or, or, or I don't know that I've seen her. Anything I looked else. her up afterwards and uh, you wouldn't necessarily, but uh, she's, she's fairly made up. She's, she, um, they worked with, they worked with the shape of her face and then turned her in Missy. Yeah, so um, I, you know, I thought she was really good. I love the evil, the evil Mary Poppins thing she had going, but also, you know, I thought uh, it ended up bringing an interesting dimension to the relationship between the master and the doctor, and reversing what he had, what David Tennant and John Sims had kind of played it. Like David Tennant constantly wanted to save the master, and now you know it's the master wanted to save her version of yes, the exactly. Save being in quotes. I, yeah. I thought it was a it was a total love letter to fans. It was just there was so much to squee about in that episode uh, as to be absurd. Uh, I do I I agree with you. I I'm the um, the disrespect to an asthmatic um, was was probably the one part that I would have wished wished to go away. Um, but most people like the character, but when you in hindsight, you know this is it's the it's the Joss Whedon thing. 
if you yes, only if you don't care about them, care about the death them. doesn't mean anything. Uh, the fact that she had gone bow tie was really cool from oh. Scarf. Uh, just and then the the whole thing with Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart, which you know, unfortunately, the actor had actually passed away before they could find a way to get him back in. But it worked. Series. It's they it still worked. made it work. And oh my god! It, and it was. And you can just if you go back and you if you I mean John Pertwee and and was my doctor that was my first doctor right. and he was probably the doctor most tied to Lethbridge Stewart Stewart right and you can totally see when Kate Lethbridge Stewart tells the doctor he just wanted you to this yeah um you Absolutely. can totally see that through the I mean we're talking yeah. thirty years ago. And, but uh, that's what I mean. It's a love letter to all fans. No, I was very moved by that. that. And, and I was also, uh, you know, with the, before they set up the Christmas special, the resolution where you were, you know, finally seeing, um, uh, Peter Capaldi's doctor break down. Mm -hmm. And and the reasons why and all that, it was like, that was a very powerful scene. But when he, when he and and Clara have their final final conversation and say with the CW two shot, what a brilliant <laughs> you know what a brilliant line about not trusting hugs. But I found that farewell with the two of them lying to each other yes to be far more moving than the pawns. One, I knew the pawns. Was it made me think up. of Donna and how I wish Donna had ended instead of wiping her memory. Right, that it's yeah. You know, but it also made me think. It's like, you know, and I realize it's contractual and so forth. But, but it it does make you go like, well, you know, why do these companions just go away? Like, why why wouldn't we have an old one show up again? Yeah, and we have. Yeah, like it would be interesting. The one that occurred to me because he just got cast on um, Outlander uh, is that uh, Jamie McCrimmon. No, oh. would it not be fascinating to have that old. Highlander basically meet that, meet this doctor, you know, especially yeah. with Capaldi being Scottish, to have the two Scotsmen face. <laughs> Talk about how angry they are. Uh, well, Sarah Jane got to well, come back. Well, Sarah Jane can't. but She did get to come back. She did get to come back. And that's what I say. And then on Sarah Jane Chronicles, um, as Sarah Jane Adventures, uh, the one before Sarah Jane, the blonde. Um, oh, she was. Uh, Herbie's first Herbie's, yeah. Yeah, she they they met and they teamed up and then Matt Smith got to interact with both of them. And so, you know, it, it, it's not happening enough where we have our master episode, we have our cybermen constantly and I'd like to revisit of some uh, of some companions. And and Missy made a reference to going through the alternate timelines too. So, you know, it would be interesting to see somebody, you know, somebody who's interacted only with a different doctor again. And you knew why Sarah Jane came back, because she's the most popular of, of all the companions. Sure. You know, that's why they brought her back. But but it'd be nice to see that depth and, and, and to, because I've never understood why no doctor would go back and revisit, you know, and, and um, with her personality, especially like him with Capaldi trying to figure out like, who am I? But I, I was very satisfied by that ending and even with, uh, or with that episode and even with that, um, 
tacked on, let's set up the Christmas special, which is almost a harken back to David Tennant with a what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I love the Missy kiss as well. Oh, yeah. Especially in retrospect. It's like, hmm, okay. Yeah. It, it just, just really fun. So, yeah. Um, and, and I'd like to, to finish up tonight with a Blu-ray recommendation that it does honor to, uh, to Nate and myself, because I, I know it'll be arriving in my mail magic mailbox. It's not magic Ooh. if I paid for it, though, right? I paid for it, so no, paying for it doesn't make it magic. Well, it's just a regular your, mailbox. Your your magic mailbox can receive regular mail. Oh, okay. Well, then my magic mailbox will be receiving when I return home from my my, my working in Los Angeles this week. Uh, Weird Al's one and only movie UHF is uh, was released on Blu-ray last night. One of my favorite movies of all time. And I just found it very fortuitous that, uh, you know, I'd, I'd seen it in the theater and, and my son is just getting into Weird Al. And I made some comment about the movie. And oh God, his yes, eyes it, will be so wide open to the world. Well, here's <laughs> the thing, though, Nate. <laughs> Having to explain the title. <laughs> what is UHF? That's hilarious. Kid today. And it's like, what? <laughs> you know? Well, it's back sort of in the like, early days of cable. It's sort of like MTV2 <laughs> or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, did you also see the other uh, Weird Al, that, doc, that weird documentary, mockumentary thing also was released today? Oh, what's that? No. Dang it. What was it called? I, I don't know. That's what I was asking. I'll, I'm looking it up right now, but uh, it's like Weird Al goes on this tour. Like it's basically following him around on tour, and he stays in a Japanese hotel where it's basically you sleep in like a cube, a cubicle type of thing. That's the scene I remember most from it. Totally factual. <laughs> yeah. It was like those weird. They're they're Jap- like tube Japanese. hotels in Japan. Yes, here the complete owl. That's what it's called. Uh, complete owl. Okay, I'm intrigued. This is the amazing, hilarious, and almost true life story of Weird Al, the Grammy Award-winning master of musical parody. Well, it takes you behind the scenes, beginning with his early and somewhat formative childhood years, his high school and college days, up to the present day bout with superstardom. And uh, today, all uh, or this weekend, will will um, will also mark his. First commercial uh, in like 30 years for Radio Shack. Wow. Really? Yeah. So I, I think tonight I may try. I think I got a link to the YouTube video. So I might post that up to see. Uh, and uh, so it's the, it's the year of Weird Al. Let's just, let's just admit it. And I, for one, am so excited that I have my son this weekend and we have UHF hopefully waiting in the mailbox and it's, you know, his mind will be blown. It's the year of just awesome stuff to come out from a long time ago. I mean, you've got Batman 66. Yeah. yeah. UE's Playhouse. Yeah. yeah. UHF. What else do we need? (laughs) Uh, Nothing. Nothing. World Peace? Did we have that? Oh, sure. A cure-free Ebola? Sure, there's sure. a Blu-ray for Phantom of the Paradise. That's true. We haven't even talked about that. You know, I that's uh, 
so put some questions together on that because I think uh, we, I don't know if we can get them on the podcast, but I might be able to get one of the cast members to at least do an interview. Oh, so, cool. which would be just kind of cool because it is the 40th anniversary of, uh, of of Phantom of the Paradise this year. So a good time. All right. Well, uh, that's uh, that's all I got this week, and so we're keeping it a little crisp. That's good. Um, if you've got, did a- we talk about Gotham? No, we did not. Would you like to talk about Gotham? I watched Gotham. I'm caught up. I thought I thought it was good. I think they've been doing a really good job with the the Penguin story, and especially the kind of twist they did episode before this last one. Uh, yeah, I have at the end. Yes, yeah. I have one overall problem with Gotham, which had really come into focus for me with uh, Barbara Keene, and this episode was really guilty of it. I heard a great theory today that Barbara Keene doesn't really exist. She's just haunting that apartment. Oh, I saw that. Somebody posted that on Facebook. I, I, I don't. I it think actually a car me. posted that on Facebook. That was it. Uh, yes, you know, it was Carr. It was Carr, Carr D'Angelo. But here's my problem with it is the problem with Gotham is that it is playing the ending for every damn character. And Barbara is the most egregious. She's already an alcoholic. She's already everything that you know from Batman continuity. If you're a Batman fan, and I realize maybe it's playing differently for people who don't know Batman, but um, is that they're already having the fights that destroyed their marriage. Right. And they haven't well, here's, gotten married yet. My problem with it, with her specifically, is that we already know she was on drugs from what uh, yeah. Montoya said. Right. So I'm assuming Jim also knows that she used to be on drugs. Maybe. Yeah. So why does he have alcohol laying around and why is he have no problem with her drinking when he's this, first of all, he's a cop. Second of all, he's one of maybe three good cops in the whole city. Yeah. You think he would know, Oh, this is a drug addict. I shouldn't be supplying her with alcohol. Well, you're assuming that he knows. Yes, I am assuming he knows. And there are lots of people who are really good about hiding addictions and, no, no, I do think, though, that early on, like one of the first couple of episodes, he made some reference to it. Hmm. So I, I think he did know. The secret thing that's saving the show, aside from the Penguin is actually, I, I love him, is that I did notice this week, it is the redemption of Harvey Bullock. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I that's like an that. interesting arc for this first season about Harley, Harvey Bullock discovering he might accidentally be a good cop. Yeah. And, and so that's cool. But the other, uh, although I did love like Alfred saying, I will teach you how to fight. Like, I've been waiting for you to ask. That uh, whole scene The scene was on awesome. the stoop. Yes. Where, yes. Yeah. Where he says, and I let him do that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want for dinner, Miss Master Bruce? Well, because his reasoning, you don't, you don't talk about Martha Wayne. You know, I mean, it was just like, oh, that was clear. You know, Alfred had no problem. But, well, did you see what that kid's name was that he beat yeah, up? Yeah, and that's, and that's my problem. That is, is the Barbara Keene thing. From the second that character is introduced, now most people don't know who Tommy Elliot is. Yeah. But, like, I thought that when Tommy Elliot was introduced into regular comics continuity, it was awkward. But, but basically, all his secrets are on that kid's face. Right. And so, from the second, you know, you know that character. You, they've already set up. It's like that's a villain. You know, that guy's going to be a villain. And I mean, they might, they, it's like they have neon signs pointing at everybody who's going to be evil. 
And, and that was a weird looking kid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like it was like, well, if he hasn't killed his parents, he's he's going to. <laughs> and, and, and that's well. But I, I, I did feel like an interesting take on Black Mask. Because it was Richard, not Roman. So you know, that that it although I I have this feeling because they've cast a scarecrow too. They've cast a Jonathan Crane. And they're going to establish that, like the Scarecrow is a is a legacy villain, uh-huh. and and I think that's what's going to happen with Black Mask. Now, Richard Sionis didn't call himself Black Mask, but he wore a black mask. So, I mean, how many of how many of these villains are going to be? Well, because Daddy wanted to be evil, now I'm really evil. You know, will be it's too bad. So that, that's my problem. It's like it, it, it's it's too formulaic. To I did extent. like their take on the Zaz character. I, because it was subtle. Yeah, I can't believe we're talking about Mr. Zaz as having been played subtle. subtly. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. it's a villain without a, without an alter ego. It's a villain who literally wears his crimes on his sleeve, if you will. And it was like, oh, they just you know they made no big deal. He's getting away. Blah blah blah. You know. Um, but I mean, that that's that's been my that is the problem with I, with all these superhero shows. The is so far I feel like everything they're burning through so much plot so fast and I, I just can't see it being seven seasons when they want me to see it as seven seasons just like my fear Rick and I were talking a little bit thanks because this does, does bring up the the thought is like we were talking about the flash and arrow that are a little like we like them but they're CW they're very CW production value I, was, I did yeah I didn't watch the flash last night I haven't watched it yet. it's recorded for me at home yeah but but um you know, I'm enjoying the Flash, but I, I get exactly what Rick's saying. My biggest fear is for Constantine because I, I think it's a show with great potential, but it's still going to take so many episodes before they can shake off their trying to find their formula. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that it will make it'll make it to that point. I, I fear that it won't, but I'm hopeful that it will. And I think it I think it could just be interesting enough because of the way Constantine's stories are built. That, yeah, that but it may, is, it may grab the supernatural crowd. They are losing ratings from Grimm. Yeah. Grimm gives a strong lead in and then people are turning it, uh, away. So I, I, I know because to me it's a different show, you know, in a, a different feel. Um, <clears throat> I'm very behind on Grimm, but my daughter loves Grimm. So I was hoping that one day she and I would sit down and do a, a Grimm Constantine uh, double, double feature, you know, and. And yet, right now, Constantine looks like uh, it's going to be just kind of a weird X Files with a British accent, and the guy can actually do magic. Um, and I, I don't want that to happen. And I, and it was too formulaic with the map, but I'd like him to stumble into some things, uh, you know. And, and right now, it's too. It already feels it's like it's going to be too beholden to a to a, a formula. But it it may survive long enough to get out of it because basically most things are those shows that have been canceled so far, and they're not. Really, compared to where we were last year, not many shows have actually been canceled. And even the ones that have been canceled are still being allowed to show their full 13 episodes. Yeah. Um, because basically ratings are down everywhere. You know, the yeah. one thing about The Flash, um, it built its supporting cast really fast compared to Arrow. Arrow took a yeah. whole season to get not even to the full Full of supporting everyone who knew he was Arrow, yeah, part of the team. Yeah, but you know, team. I mean, and, and uh, I think the thing. Let me let me finish the the yeah. the idea though that where it's breaking down for me are the tropes that they want to continue. So, like the girlfriend who doesn't know he's the Flash, 
And I'm because there was just a scene in tonight's episode, in the latest episode, where he could easily she's she's like he's challenging her for her safety to stop something, and she's challenging him back, saying, "This is so unlike you." And he could okay, easily I'm, have have said, "Well, you know, six other people know this, so you should know it because you're close to me. I'm the Flash, and this is why you shouldn't do it." It just well, doesn't, it doesn't work as well for me. Okay, but uh, I mean, but I'm enjoying the show. Question from 1956: How long did it take before Iris knew? Well, yeah, and I know other, but we're not the, we're not 1956. How I mean, the Green Arrow never had a crew of the size that he has right now of people who work, and even people in the Green Arrow continuity know that no Barry's the Flash, you know. So <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Felicity knows. Felicity um, knows. Everybody which knows. I, I forgot to mention, they did announce that they've cast a Jason Rush. Yeah. So so now there are three halves to Firestorm that have been Exactly. Cast. That was a surprise that they were going to go that way. Yeah. So, uh, well, they may not. I mean, we'll see. I mean, actually, but that makes sense. I mean, you know, when uh, – and there is another problem. is like what we're seeing is – is after decades of a year, I mean, because even Firestorm is almost 40 years old as a character. And, you know, so there's all these years of continuity and they're rushing to what they find the most, the more interesting thing. Well, it wasn't just interesting that he, that he merged, these two people merged. It's the idea that he could be any two people, you know? And so why not? And, and I think the new 52 version of Firestorm, which they would think is probably the one maybe more people are familiar with. I don't, I don't know, but was the idea was anybody could become, it was almost like a, a captain universe. Like any two could hold on to the isotope and become firestorm. You know, I think that I've, my expectation hearing this was that it's going to basically be the, um, the Robbie and what's it, what's the other guy's name? The, the new guy that they just cast J- Jason rush, Jason rush, Ronnie, um, Ronnie Raymond and Jason Rush. Yeah. Ronnie Raymond and Jason Rush will be the original Firestorm, and and Stein will just be a consultant. He will just be he'll be a he'll be a witness to it and help, trying to help them. He won't well, be I part of not, the initial I want merger. Victor Garber to kick butt. I, I I liked the original, but I don't think I think given it's a CW, yeah, you're I right. don't think they want to see a young kid in in conflict with an older man. I think they want to see two young men in conflict. I think there's – well, I think the way you just phrased it, there's an audience for both. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the same film, but not on the CW. So uh, that's – if you're offended by what I just said, uh, if you've got questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And, of course, once again, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher – uh, please, please uh, review us, subscribe to us, tell your friends about the Fanboy Planet podcast. Because uh, you know, I'll admit, there's been some listings of of, of uh, you know f- uh, popular fan podcasts, and and uh, you know, Fanboy Planet needs to be up there. People need to remind us because people listen to us, say they like us. So tell other people you like us too. And uh, of course, you can check on Amazon. You can uh, donate through PayPal. And I am Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com. I'm Nate Costa. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only, only for, for good. good.
thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.